Hi, this is the Organisational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organisational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organisational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Okay, welcome back. Um, today we're talking with part of the team of, and this is fairly unusual actually, of 42 researchers from a range of uh, amazing institutions who have been involved in a collection of studies spread over four research articles that have been recently published in the Journal of uh, Management Inquiry. Now, the papers looked at how society, organisations and people tend to deal with tensions and paradoxes, but in particular, how people and organizations have been um, dealing with the tensions and paradoxes that are um, involved in the current COVID-19 pandemic. So welcome guys. Um, would you like to just quickly introduce yourselves, who you are, what institutions you're from first? Sure, I'll start. Um, so I'm Thanks, Josh. Josh Keller and I'm Associate Professor at University of New South Wales uh, in Sydney, Australia. As you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not originally from Australia, from the States, um, but, um, but I've, been, I've been at UNSW for a few years and I study, I've been studying paradoxes for well over a decade now, um, probably close to two now. Excellent, thanks, Josh. Um, hello, I'm Camille Pradies. From my accent, you hear that I'm from France. Uh, I'm from EDEC Business School, um, and I am an assistant professor. Great. And, and what's your main area, Camille? Oh, yes. No, I, I've been studying paradoxes, of course, the topic of the articles for also more than a decade. Josh and I met uh, at the very early conferences, and so we've been uh, uh, paradox enthusiasts since then. <laughs> I like that, paradox enthusiasts. <laughs> most most organisations mm -hmm. hate them. Great, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Simon. Um, hello, I'm uh, Simone Carmine and I'm um, a postdoc researcher in uh, University of Padova, the University of Padova in Italy. And I'm the youngest of uh, the of this team, uh, and my because I did uh, I just finished my PhD on uh, paradox and sustainability, and now I'm still working on this uh, topic for uh, uh, for this postdoc that I just uh, started. Congratulations on your postdoc, by the way. Thank you. That's a big thing. I remember it well. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Um, so first off, let's let's just start. What I'm intrigued, actually, you know, 42 researchers across this range of institutions. So, what brought the project about, and how did such a big team from such a wide range of institutions become involved in this? Um, so it started with a um, a couple of points in time. I, basically, what happened was was several of us really felt that boy, there were a lot of paradoxes happening um, right from the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And we were seeing it in the news, we were seeing it in our own life as, you know, in, ter in terms of what we were experiencing and also from what we were understanding happening to organizations. And so what we first did, which a lot of people do, 
is um, you know using the new power of Zoom and say let's all just come and meet together and talk about it. And then once we sort of met together and talked about it, we felt, wow, we should be writing about this too. Um, and we had seen a couple of models that you know where they got people together to try to address it, but we didn't really know exactly you know how we were going to do that ourselves. But we knew. We knew from that conversation that we had to um, try to get as many people together as possible. And, and we knew there were just so many issues to talk about that we thought we'd just go ahead and talk about all of them. And we were very, very fortunate that, that we were able to um, meet with the JMI, the Journal of Management Inquiry team, uh, and that they were very enthusiastic about it. And, and, and we worked together with them to put, to put this together. So it was quite... Uh, quite exciting, quite an endeavor. So were all the team known to each other before or was it a kind of serendipity thing? How, how did you all meet? So so what happened is we reach out in a way, we, we are a community of scholar. Um, so we, uh, we are, uh, so we've signed up to a newsletter. And so there are a few scholars who, who know uh, what's happening in the paradox research community via Facebook, the newsletter and a few elements like that. So when we first decided to meet, uh, we basically send a note uh, to the community saying that there would be a meeting on Zoom, actually uh, multiple meetings because we were trying to uh -huh. accommodate uh, people all across the globe because there were paradox scholars in Australia, in the US, in Europe. And so if you uh -huh. all wanted to meet together, you had uh, in a way to have two meeting or two overlapping meeting with a few people being attending mm -hmm. the two while other could only attend one uh, because they had to sleep, you know, during the night. So, um, so that's, uh, that's how it all started, like potentially people joining for the meeting to discuss a little bit, you know, like we use the breakout rooms to discuss different topics, each, each of us said, uh, like how they, they felt their research, what they had been studying had been changed, uh, questioned by the, the pandemic. And so we came up with a long list of uh, like relevant idea topics on how uh, we could actually give insight to others about what was happening with paradox theory and how what was happening changed what uh, paradox theory was telling us up until that point. And so that's, that's how uh, it all started. So we all knew each other somewhat, perhaps there were uh, closer people in some areas, but we all, like had heard of one another in most cases. And one really nice, just to add one point, small point, what, one thing that's special about our community is, is that because we are all interested in paradoxes, but we're interested in different organizational phenomena. So, so that, that's how we were able to cover a lot of topics. So we had people that were much more focused on HR issues, micro issues, some much more strategic issues. Um, so so that, that helped quite a bit. The fact that we, we had some common threads, but we were able to cover multiple, multiple um, topics because we, we knew that there were people that can touch upon different topics. 
And I think that's the beauty of paradox to, to like for our audience that no matter where you work, no matter in which industry you are, no matter uh, which position in the organization you are in, you're facing paradoxes. It can be, I mean, and we'll talk about it in like work life. It can be uh, because you're a leader and you have to do both strategic and operational thinking. Uh, it can be about um, like innovation, but at the same time, capitalizing on what you've been doing all the time. So there are paradoxes everywhere. And we hope that after this uh, podcast, uh, like your audience will see them as much as we see them all the time. So that's uh, basically the nice uh, and beauty of it. Yes, I hope so too. Um, what, what, what fascinates me actually about how you've gone about this is that the whole thing around degrees of separation, the power of networks and, and the emergence that's occurred that's kind of entwined in what you're doing anyway which is part of the whole paradox thing, but we'll, we'll come back to this. Um, okay, so let's, let's just get going. So the collection starts out by looking at the kind of multitude of tension and paradoxes um, that are kind of inherent in society and the organizations and the things that people have experienced during the pandemic. Can you just give us an overview of what some of these are, please? If I if I can uh, also yeah. add something on the on the question before, in my case was oh. um, more a serendipitous case because I was one of the last that joined this uh, community, and I was uh, working uh, uh, with uh, Wendy Smith, one of the. Um, the pillars of this uh, community. And uh, he introduced me to the amazing coordination team of this work, Josh, Kamel, and uh, Garima. And so the first uh, step was to just to meet and decide, okay, how we can um, structure this uh, work uh, on paradox and COVID-19 that as just said, there are paradox everywhere. Uh, so arising everywhere. So, um, what we decided was to get an idea of the work that uh, and the people that we want to involve in, in this uh, work as much as uh, uh, we, we could to cover a lot of um, tension that were arising in this period. As an example, uh, our, and so we decided to divide the work in three uh, levels, the societal level, the organizational level, and the individual level, and to try to uh, understand with the, the, the tension that at this level, uh, the people and the organization and society were experienced. Example are, for example, we have at this society level, the great tension between the economic and the public health. For example, that is the first essay of the first uh, um, article, or um, we have other uh, organizational tension or other societal tension, like uh, the tension between that everybody see between the rigor and the expediency in uh, science. So, for example, the rush to get uh, a vaccine or to get new uh, medicine for, to, for the COVID, or we have the organizational tension uh, uh, that company experience uh, through the global value chain, for example, for the global value chain disruption, uh, the individual tension that Camille was uh, just mentioning about uh, the work-life balance. So we try to cover all the different uh, aspects, not everything, of course, but as much as we can with uh, our experience. Yes, which is I, useful. I would, Oops, sorry, go on, Josh. Yeah, sorry. 
So I was going to say that, um, I mean, one of the big challenges of doing this project were that, uh, you know, that we, we, we met at a certain point and, and we came up with some ideas, but then uh, things changed very quickly. Uh, and, and so, and so we, we actually, when talking with some of the contributors, um, some, some, some new ideas came in the process. Uh, and so, so for example, we didn't want to talk about Black Lives Matter initially, but then it became so intertwined with what was happening in the pandemic uh, with the US and sort of looking at the context together that it felt like it was very important to be able to talk about that as well. Uh, and so we, so that, that, that became something that we had to raise. And then, and then we noticed that that was because it was happening at multiple levels that, that there were multiple tensions involved in, in that, particularly um, the, the fact that people wanted to protest, um, but were concerns about the public health implications of protest. And, and so a lot of things were happening in that process. Um, the technology part as well was, was an evolving situation and, and new ideas came up with when it came to what was going on because we, we, didn't re we didn't realize until later what was happening with, uh, with, with, with all of these attempts to use technology to, to, um, to improve the public health situation and, and the complexity around that. So, so it, 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 there, were, it was, there were a lot of moving parts throughout this period with the idea that we knew that we had a deadline in October uh, because we because you know this this is this is still an academic journal um, with the and they were very very fast for an academic journal I mean amazingly fast um, but but it's still not like the same thing as a newspaper article <laughs> you know we, to get you know to yeah. get to get to, to to try to figure out what to do and to actually have some meaning behind what we're saying beyond just stating what's going on in the obvious, what's going on in the world. Um, you know, to actually talk about what does it actually mean for organizing, uh, what does it mean for you know for to be a manager beyond just this pandemic uh, required some deeper thinking as well. While everything was happening so quickly, so we had our own internal paradox for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, without a doubt. And in fact, what, that's one of the things that, that have struck me across the papers is that you've been, you've kind of had to, and it's that firstly, you're, you've been operating in a, a changing environment and a rapidly changing environment, but also you're dealing with the or, or trying to capture the multiple levels that you're talking about society organizations and individuals, but also there's multiple contexts within each of those levels across across the world so macro context but also the micro context as you're saying things like blm and stuff like that that's that's going on in in specific contexts and then added into that we're in we're in an evolving a new technological space that's moving fast as well um and and that's one of the things that struck me about the, the first paper that i read was like well this is like it's because a lot of research is really historical you know by the time you it gets to publication i know this by the time it gets to publication after all of the reviews and everything else that it's gone through and all of the research is years um but to be publishing something in the middle of an event is is quite unique and and um 
I applaud what you've done and also what uh, the journal's done as well. Brilliant. Um, so can you just give us an overview of what some of the tensions are at each of these levels, just as examples? Sure. Why don't I? Uh, why don't we each talk about one of them? Would that help, Simone and, that and Camille? Like, I, I'll start with the societal level one, and then um, I guess we can talk. We can talk about each of them. Um, so, so, um, so, 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 so it's interesting about the societal level because you know we're organizational scholars. We're not. Um, we're not political scientists, so we really. Um, there was a little bit of discomfort about, you know, to what extent we want to address this, but we really just felt we saw paradoxes everywhere. So we really wanted to do that. So what were some of the tensions we felt? Uh, so, so one of the ones uh, is, was about the, the, uh, the big core one that was, you know, the front of everybody's mind was about this tension between uh, public health and economic concerns uh, happening. And this, this certainly resonated across societies. Uh, another one was about uh, about sustainability and the idea of, of that you know with co with, with COVID um, striking uh, you know putting the whole world to a halt, which in some respects uh, kept the environmental footprint lower, but then kept everyone's attention away from the environment. Um, uh, keep in mind, I was in Australia and we just had the worst. Uh, environmental catastrophe uh, in decades. Uh, this bushfires throughout the whole country, and people had completely forgotten about it um, during the pandemic. So that became, I think, a real big issue in terms of tensions around, you know, how do we address short-term versus long-term social issues? Uh, so that was one. And then what else? And then, the, oh yeah, then about the the science itself and the idea about how to be rigorous. Uh, and relevant at the same time. Um, on top of that, we also talked at, a, at a, it, not so much about what the tensions were, but about you know how can we make comparisons about how act, how people respond to the tensions. And using the political leaders helped us address some of that with the idea that we can perhaps show some insight into what happens within organizations. And so. Um, it's not a coincidence that you know. Uh, I mean, it, it was very clear that there were that you know East Asia had a very very different response than the Western world. So partially, what we try to do is explain that uh, at the societal level, and then also very interesting were differences in terms of genders. Uh, that you know, the New Zealand being being a very um, uh, a, a case of of somebody who who had tr showed tremendous leadership, um, the prime minister there, and so we wanted to look to see does gender play a role in this as well. So some of it is also about responses to tensions at the societal level as well. So I think that does that cover the societal ones in a nutshell, or does anyone? I think I and no, then I, oh I think I mentioned and I think I mentioned the BLM one, the BLM issue as well, like yeah. other issues that happen at the same time. Yes, we'll come back to that. That's that's great. Thanks, Josh. Fantastic. And, and to add on the organization or the organizational level tension that we try to to cover. Of course, organizational war uh, has been have been hidden by um, the pandemic in many different ways. So, uh, what, for example, we try to understand was the 
the problem between the tension between the conflict between the long and uh, uh, short term perspective because in a um, time of um, totally uncertainty uh, as uh, the covid pandemic how you can um, try to uh, balance the short and the long term uh, perspective if the long term uh, is totally um, unclear you don't it's difficult totally difficult to predict what is going to happen or for example as i said before another great uh, crucial element for organization was the supply chain and the global value chain uh, uh, dimension because uh, the pandemic uh, has mm, different waves uh, in different times in the different uh, area of the world so uh, part of the world was were in lockdown so the beginning china uh, then europe then us so how to uh, to manage this uh, disruption along uh, uh, the chain and one of the elements that was uh, uh, clear in this uh, um, uh, in the tension between the chain was uh, the the problem of uh, of, of power uh, or the, of the agency of the actor uh, along the chain because of course the uh, we saw that the the negative externality of this tension was just shifted on the uh, less powerful actors of these uh, of the chains for example or um, considering also the positive elements we uh, uh, we saw that even during the pandemic, there was uh, opportunity uh, that are underlined in one of the essay by Andrea Tunarosa in in the second uh, um, in the second paper. Mm, opportunities when different cultural wars uh, world meets, like for example the the health uh, world and the economic world. So may or even in this uh, catastrophic event some opportunity can uh, can rise for entrepreneurs for uh, organization and in fact that's part of the paradox isn't it because we've got a, a a human catastrophe happening but at the same time there are opportunities occurring and people find yeah. it very difficult to match those two things up uh, and in lots of these situations, there are these paradoxes occurring that people, and it, it's it's one of the things that we'll come on to is kind of the psychology of paradox, that th this idea of where does the focus go? And, and people find it very difficult to match up those two things. So they start ascribing values to them, but we'll, we'll come back to that. That's really good. Thanks, Simone. Brilliant. Camille. And um, so with regards to the, to the paradoxes at the individual level, and um, I mean, we, we haven't perhaps said it yet, but I mean, paradoxes are really like this idea that you have two opposite injunction, two opposite goals, two opposite missions, but these opposite missions are not only opposite, they are interrelated and they persist over time. So when we think about paradox, we really always want to keep in mind this idea that we are faced with opposition that are interrelated. And if you start focusing on one, forgetting the other, then it will always backfire in a way. Uh, and the idea, I think, at the individual level for, for paradox theory is to always think um, it's important to, to understand that this tension uh, will never go away. It's not a problem to solve, but these are tension that stay there. 
because once you start seeing that as tension that are there, you're not trying to solve them, you're trying to go with the flow to navigate and to uh, to live with it. And so I think it makes really sense at the individual level because uh, we are always in situation where we fight uh, against, you know, being a, a parent and being um, like a, a working professional. And, uh, and, and, and the literature tells us, for example, that these are opposite, right? There is work-life conflict, the whole debate about work-life conflict. And we've, and we've had um, talks about it's important then to reach a balance. So we want to have this uh, work-life balance to find an equilibrium. And paradox theory says, uh, tells us that that's really nice. We want to have a balance. We want to find a balance. We want to find an equilibrium. But what, for example, COVID-19 did is that it started to question this idea of uh, how do we find this balance when everything is falling apart, when we have the kids on our laps uh, in a computer. And um, in, uh, in the essays, Jander and Rebecca Benarek re-unpack that really nicely and say, well, the notion of balance is interesting, but perhaps there are other notions from paradox theory that can help us uh, navigate this work-life uh, balance differently, like uh, understanding that uh, it's, I mean, there can be shifts, there can be oscillation, it cannot always be about integrating both, it can also be about consciously understanding that for the moment being, I need to be 70% a parent and 30% uh, a professional, and that's okay. And so in a way, it's, um, I mean, in there, I said, they've helped us remove some of the pressure of by acknowledging the fact that, of course, we are both, but there are moments where we we need to to shift uh, the way we are both because it's okay for now, and later we can do something different. So, so I, I think that this is uh, this is um, uh, very interesting at the individual level to start understanding that. Um, we uh, we've talked about leadership at the at the level of the, the the states the governments but there are also like very important leadership questions how do i empower and how do i uh, at the same time give clear direct directions uh how do i do that when i am uh, like uh, in a like on the screen right uh, how uh, <laughs> how can i empower my team when uh, i am from far away so these are also questions like that that it can be raised and uh, for leaders another question uh, that that we unpack in the essay is the question about like what is the mechanism how what can we use to create this uh, to communicate about paradoxes. Paradoxes are difficult, nobody wants to deal with them, we are afraid of them, but so how do we communicate about it? How do we engage other in a way that they really want to, to do it with us uh, instead of uh, hiding uh, uh, somewhere um, far away? So these are some of the, the questions we've asked. Um, another wonderful essay by um, Russ Vince and Vanessa Poutier is about the emotions and they really uh, unpack how hard and how it can be and how important it is to be able to listen to your own emotion as you navigate paradoxes. So these are all the topics we cover at the individual level, uh, which I'm sure will resonate with some of uh, you in the audience um, because we've all been through that.
Yes, definitely, and 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 certainly from from my my aspect and and sort of my areas is to do with emotion regulation, uh, and how to live with and deal with the emotional kind of um, impact of um, finding yourself in a, a paradoxical situation, but also the challenge to our values, what we call affective issues. Um, but we'll we'll come back to those because they. They underpin quite a lot of the decision making and the way that we we act when we find ourselves in these difficult situations. We call them difficult situations because of the emotional impact and the, the challenge to our values in those situations. Brilliant. Um, can I just move on? I, because we keep mentioning this thing called paradox theory. So can you just give me an overview of what is you know what's the essence of paradox theory and and you know, why did you choose this perspective to look at the experience of kind of people living through the tensions involved in what is essentially a unique and historic period of time? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, you know, paradox theory is quite young um, in terms of, in terms of, I mean, there have been people that have been researching paradoxes in the organizational literature for many years but i think as a as an identity where we can say hey this is paradox theory um it, it's still in a in a very early growth stage um but but i do but we are starting to have some very fundamental principles that we all agree on and i think and and camille touched upon this uh in, in terms of defining paradoxes and, and i think that's an important part is is defining is you know defining paradoxes is 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 recognizing um, you know when tensions are not just simple dilemmas you know you know you choose one or the other and there's nothing you have to live with you know that you can you can't live with the tension and and come up with 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 some integrated solution but there, but we believe that most experiences with tensions have paradoxical elements to them and so i think part of part of it is is in that identification part of the theory, paradox theory is is identifying paradoxes and then once it's about identifying paradoxes it's also then about um, how do we respond to paradoxes um, and 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 so i think there there's quite a bit of of, of, of research that, that we've been engaged in on these topics. And so we felt that, uh, and, and now why this topic when it comes to COVID? Well, there is one aspect of, aspect of paradox theory, uh, which is that we believe that paradoxes are everywhere. However, we don't believe that everybody experiences paradox all the time. And so one of the one of the core aspects of paradox theory is recognizing, you know, what are these events that make things salient, and when they are salient, um, then then how how does that then impact the way uh, people need to re respond to them? And so you know, I don't I don't want to be one of these people that says, okay, COVID was different than everything else. I mean, we. We all, there, there have been many, many different periods of time where crises have occurred and crises can occur without there being a large global crisis. Um, but it really is in many ways somewhat of a, of a natural experiment in, 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 the, in the sense that it happening at this global scale 
Uh, and one of the things that we discovered in this process about this global scale is just how at the same time it was happening to everybody, but it was also happening to everybody differently. Uh, and, you know, and, 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 and both in terms of national level and then also, you know, in terms of people's individual experience. So if you're, if you're, if you're a working parent, it's very different than being somebody who doesn't have a family. Uh, but those are both very, very um, tough issues in both cases, right? But qualitatively different. Um, you have places like Australia where we had no cases for months and months and months and months. Uh, but now we've, we've caught, gotten to a point of isolation and um, not knowing how to vaccinate. And so things have completely changed. And then you have places like the United States where, um, where they just went through very, very, very um, huge, um, horrific experiences, um, but are now in a very different situation again. So uh, you know, I would say the UK as well, for sure. So I think that it makes that is what makes I think this particular context um, really interesting is because we we already knew the context mattered, but this is the kind of context that we just hadn't been able to even think about um, um, before. Yes. Yeah, and I, th I think what's 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 that the pandemic is highlighted is the speed of the change of some of the paradoxes. So you're only just getting to grips with some of with the tensions because quite often people don't notice they're in a paradoxical situation. But what they do notice is they they sense tension. They feel that they're under pressure in some way or they, they sense this tension. But it's the speed of shift that's occurred with these paradoxes that I think is unique in, in this situation. And that, that the fact that you've mentioned here is that it's, it's not the same in, in, for different people in different places. And even in, you know, even in one country, you've got a, a, a wide variance of experience of, of paradoxes and also ex, experience of trying to deal with those as well. So it's both at a macro and a micro level, we've got this shift going on. And I, I think that's an important part of this. Um, I don't know whether Simon or Camille want to say anything about paradox theory. Mm, I will just uh, summarize what the Josh said with a definition uh, by Wendy Smith that for me was really clear to understand what paradox theory um, is. Uh, paradox theory is the the nature, the um, theory for the nature and uh, the management of competing demands. This is uh, paradox theory, uh, as Joshua was saying. And why this can be really important in uh, in such a moment, uh, because what I appreciate uh, from paradox theory is the, the ability to uh, to have an holistic perspective. So uh, we have, it's able to uh, give some insights on uh, tension experience, uh, on the nature of the, uh, of the paradox and uh, on the management of the paradox from the individual level to the, so the micro level to the macro level to organization and uh, the system. And with the idea to, that we cannot just consider uh, A or B, but we need uh, to consider A and B uh, together. Uh, so I think this is the great uh, power of uh, such, uh, uh, such theory in defining what, what the paradox are, 
um, in order also to let people understand what can be the main tension that can, they can experience and how to manage them, how to respond uh, to, to them from the individual to the organization, to the, to, the macro, uh, to the macro level. And of course, it's not something, in, as Camille was said before, it's not something static. So it's not, the idea is not that we have to find an equilibrium that is uh, the, the just one for everybody, but as you were saying, there is uh, this contingency for space, for time, and even in this period, the urgency, the, the speed of the change also require paradox scholars to question uh, about the, uh, the equilibrium and the management of these competing demands. If they they change very very fast so even this period and what we also try to uh, try to do in the in the papers uh, is not only to uh, describe through the paradox lens uh, the pandemic uh, uh, the tension that was arrived from the pandemic but even what the pandemic can uh, say to the, the the theory because for example the urgency is one of the the the, the fast of the change is one of the the point that um, lead to some question to to paradox scholars to also better understand how to uh, um, how it is possible to uh, to experience and to answer to such uh, really fast changing uh, uh, conflict and paradox yeah, I think that I, th I think the points you make here are really important. This idea about paradoxes being compete, competing demands and uh, and tensions, and what the theory does is it really gets us to thinking think about the competing tensions in the same space, both at the same time, but at, at different times, different levels, but also, and, and this is one of the things uh, that that's important is. The, the speed of the change, but also the speed of the, the change, the velocity of change, if this makes sense. So it goes mm -hmm. fast and then it slows down again and then it goes fast again. And yeah. so yeah. There, mm -hmm. there isn't even a, a, a consistent increase in speed. You, you know, suddenly chaos breaks out and then it slows down again and then chaos breaks out again and there aren't even consistent gaps between those they're not they don't appear to be predictable which brings us into kind of complexity theory because we're starting to look for emergent things particularly as researchers and um just perhaps one point that is important for uh, our listeners um is the idea when um we talk about uh, how paradox is about opposition so we we can think about two tension two arrows going uh, on opposite sides but what paradox theory does is that it put them in an orthogonal dimension and so it, it's not just opposition it is really interrelation where we are really trying to to get uh, in an ideal world, and we'll see that's COVID question that, at how do we optimize both one side and the other? How do we focus both on work and family? How do we uh, engage in uh, exploration and exploitation? And so this is really at the heart of paradox theory. So it's not just about 
opposition, but really the notion of interrelation, like putting them on an orthogonal diagram and stopping seeing just two, uh, two arrows bumping uh, or flying, uh, bumping against each other or going in the other direction, uh, depending on how you visualize it, is, uh, is really important. And it's at the core of how we think about paradox because we use the word paradox in a lot of different way when we talk. And I say that to yeah. my students because when I, when I, I teach it in class, they say, oh yes, uh, this is paradoxical because you're asking us to uh, be creative, but how can we be creative if you are telling us to be creative? So this is a paradox. And, and so here I, I always tell them you need to take a step uh, away from like the regular way of saying, oh, this is paradoxical, this is paradoxical. And really think about, yeah. am I in front of, uh, tensions that are opposite but also interrelated so uh just like to, to make sure it's clear for our listeners yeah I and i would also oops, sorry go ahead josh yeah uh, oh yeah yeah no i would also just add that you know another um misnomer is is that um that that it's that we think that it's about balance and when we think about balance we think of it as a static balance where we just find the middle point and 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 figure out what that's the solution and actually that's not what we what we believe as paradox scholars either we actually believe that uh, we should be thinking about integrating and also differentiating uh and and coming and engaging in 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 the polls um and by doing that like actually engaging in each of them and 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 we actually have even found some pretty good empirical evidence that if we do this kind of engagement, we end up with solutions that go beyond that go beyond just finding that compromise middle point, uh, and instead actually finding um, some types of, of of outcomes that end up um, being better in in both areas. Um, and I think that's an, an important thing that you can't do that unless you actually are, are comfortable with with engaging in both of them and recognizing that 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 you have to continually continuously engage with both of them. Yeah, and, no, and this is and this kind of underpins, which is a relatively new idea, that the idea of paradoxical leadership kind of underpins the nature of paradoxical leadership is dealing with those competing uncertainties, both at emotional but also intellectual level but also being able to work out the interrelationship between things and this idea of optimizing so that we, we and some of the, that optimization may mean stepping out of this space into a new space. So we've got, as we would refer to it as a paradigm shift, so that we, we, we act, and it's a typical thing that a good entrepreneur will do is actually, oh, hang on a minute, if we do this, these things either fall away or they're dealt with in a different way. Sorry, Camille. Uh, no, no, uh, I, I actually totally agree. And in one of the uh, the essay, uh, Jennifer Spar talks about how uh, uh, leaders have to uh, to get into to create this space. So perhaps leadership is not just about like giving a vision and. Uh, it's also about finding the ways to create space and to work together to uh, to work through the tension to to find ways to optimize perhaps to to split 
people focusing on one side, other people focusing on another side and creating roles that connect both sides. So it's about like working together in, in different spaces to fully engage what it means to uh, embrace paradoxical dominance. Excellent. Yeah, can, can I just ask, because one of the things that's that's coming out of this for me is is the idea of paradoxes being dipolar too. Um, what about multiple tensions? How does that fit? Oh, yeah, it's actually a very big part of uh, what we're theorizing now, uh, because we we do believe that they're all embedded with each other, uh, and that's and it's that's one of the areas that's. Um, you know, it's it's hard to research, but it's actually, but it but it's but it's very interesting to research um, because they are because they are interrelated and what and they can be interrelated in different ways. They can amplify the tension or they can mitigate the tension. You know, and 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 it can amplify it at one point and mitigate it at another point. Um, so. Uh, in terms of one, you know, one how one tension interrelates. In we also have multiple levels. Um, we do quite a bit of work on that. So an organization ha can have an issue in terms of how you organize, and then to the people on the ground that can create tensions on what they're supposed to do. How are they going to fill their fill fill their job requirements? Uh, they're all they're all they you know they they you you cannot just look at one level of analysis, nor should you really just isolate one, one tension if you want to get a holistic story. So it's kind um, of a okay. 3D network of tensions. Yeah, e even at the intra-individual level, you know, in the sense that while, you know, while you're trying to wrestle with tensions, you're also trying to figure out how you're going to do it. Like, are you going to be, you know, do you trust your gut or do you need to think about it systematically? There, there, there's, there's tensions really even in those processes. Um, mm. Even with you're talking about emotional regulation, right? As, as mm. an area, there are tensions associated with with that process too. Yep. Yes, definitely. Uh, even even with it, even within the individual. Yes, that's that's embedded within the issues that they're facing outside. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah, and also the internal. Well, these masses of those at a psychological level, but I won't get into those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that you talk about in the studies is, is is this idea of a paradox mindset. So what do you actually mean by this? And, and what impact does it have on kind of navigating difficult times like the situations many of us have found ourselves in during the, the COVID pandemic? Um, I don't know. As one of the co-authors of the concept, maybe I'll let Camille talk about it first. Oh, no, 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 okay? no, no, Josh, it's uh, like <laughs> on mindset, you're the one. I mean, uh, no, well, no, no, I'm, I'm one. I'm one of the few, one of the ones. Yeah. Uh, no, no. It, I mean, paradox mindset is just really trying to capture what people had, what people had talked about in paradox theory before. But I think because of the fact that we actually had some operationalization, it gave us some conceptual clarity, I think, in terms of what does that mean for an individual? And I think what it really means is embracing tensions and being comfortable with them. Uh, and so, and, 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 um, and that's, a, and, and I think that, that a paradox mindset really is very important because it, it, it can mean the difference between whether when you're experiencing these tensions, do you find virtuous cycles of 
engagement or vicious cycles of just feeling too anxious and 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 not being able to manage. Um, and and it and and again, I think as we talked about earlier, I think the big key component about this notion of embracing tensions is in order in order to recognize in order to be able to you know not be um, in order to be okay with the idea that that paradoxes aren't going to resolve themselves because the tensions will always be there you, it, it helps to embrace that process of engaging with them and that's what a paradox mindset is and it kind of, uh, just one thing, Camille. Just, uh, so this is opposed to that kind of natural tendency or proclivity that many people have is to avoid difficult situations that set off a whole series of negative emotions. Is absolutely sitting in that space and examining them and noting them rather than running away from them. The kind of yeah, and and actually being proactively yep. engaged in them. So it's not just being comfortable, but actually being energized by them, engaged with them, proactively wanting, like sort of um, embracing embracing the nature of the, of, of the tension. Fantastic. You want to Thanks, say something, Joseph. Camille? Yes, Camille. Uh, yeah, and one, <laughs> perhaps I can add one thing that uh, our listeners might be interested in. There is actually a way for you to measure your whether you have a paradox, uh, how your paradox mindset is, or whether you have a paradox mindset or not. Uh, if you um, go on a web research engine, I'm not sure if I can say any names, but you can uh, type paradox mindset um, measure, or uh, let me wait. Survey yes, also. Paradox Mindset Major, and you learn on a website from the University of Delaware where Josh and all his co-author actually created a tool for you to uh, to test your your mindset and to see where you let uh, where where you where you stand in a way. So uh, if you're interested, you should try it. I'll put the link in the show notes for people. That's Thank great. You. Thanks, Camille. That's really useful. I didn't know about that. <laughs> great. Okay. Um, so uh, uh, an interesting aspect that you show is the difference between um, the Eastern and Western perspectives and in the management of the, of the pandemic. Can you please explain this role of cultural difference in, in paradoxes? That's fascinating. Um, so I've done a little bit of work. I, I, I did some work on this before, as well as others. And I was very happy that I got to work with uh, with Sheen Lee, you know, in writing an essay on this topic um, in, in this issue, because he's a very brilliant scholar and, and knows about Eastern philosophy in, in a great depth. Um, uh, but I'll just say, just before the pandemic happened, I mean, one thing that's very different about this community is, is that, um, is that the Eastern philosophy was always, a, was, had been a core tenet of paradox theory for years, right, Camille? I mean, the whole idea that 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 um, the, the yin yang figure seems to be the best, you know, um, figure in terms of uh, looking at a looking look, looking at a mental representation of what a lot of the theory is about, and that has its Eastern roots. And some some of us have have studied this and have found that. Sure enough, you know, uh, managers, employees, everybody, uh, you know, in East Asian societies do tend to 
uh, embrace paradoxes more, uh, although not 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 so ne not necessarily the proactive engagement part, but the tolerance and the acceptance and recognition of, of tensions is definitely well rooted in Eastern philosophy, and it has carried through. Um, now, again, like as in any study on culture, you know, um, individuals are far more different from each other than big group differences. And once you talk about talking about billions of people, then it can get very silly. But I think the overall point is, is that clearly those people who've been exposed to certain cultural traditions are certainly more likely to think, you know, to, to carry that. Uh, but with this COVID pandemic, it actually started getting us thinking differently about this because, you know, here we are where we thought about East Asians as being all about balance and, you know, they should, they should be the one that says, oh, we should be out there saying, let's, let's balance public health and economy uh, because, you know, we should look at these as being two, two aspects of a, of a whole and, and, and come up with that. And no, it was the opposite. You know, the, who are the ones talking about balance? Sweden, America, for a little while, the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, a lot of European countries, right? Uh, and 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 in and in and in, in East Asia, it was always no. We shut this down. We do everything. You know, we we have to shut this down very quickly uh, and do it um, uh, do it um, as much as possible. And I think what it basically um, what what we came to sort of think about is is in, in explaining why is it is about thinking about balance in a much longer time frame, right? That that you know it's not about figuring out what do you balance today, right? It's about how do you think about the dynamic balance over a very long period of time, and 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 sometimes what that means is a lot of economic pain right now to get our society to a healthier state uh, in the future. Uh, and that yeah. may be something that Westerners may have struggled with. However, I do feel that, you know, this is going to be the interesting question going forward is what have we learned from the pandemic, right? Because again, that's how cultures develop, right? Cultures develop from experience. And, and so to what extent are we going to see a cultural shift in the West? Um, because some people will say that a lot of the culture, what happened culturally in East Asia was their experience with SARS. They had this experience in 2003 and that helped sort of figure out, you know, how they should react, right? So yeah. some of these principles may actually be there uh, in the West. Um, yeah, that, that requires learning. <laughs> but I'm not going to go into yeah. that. <laughs> but we could be optimistic. Yes. I'm saying if we're optimistic about that, if there, if there is yes. learning, then maybe that is the case. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And and I I, I I take your point, and I think it's a really important one about that. Actually, striking for balance in the short term can actually end up in disastrous results, and and certainly at a political level and a, and a nation level, the countries that didn't go for the balance. So New Zealand, for example, went health first, economy yep. second, whereas the countries that tried to balance the two, they damaged both. Whereas the, so there is, there is an issue here about um, that the balance can actually harm the whole, you know, the whole ecosystem. That's Absolutely. Yeah, really, really interesting. Um, okay. So one of the, the issues from a, 
uh, to do with paradoxes from a, a psychological point of view, which is kind of my background anyway, um, is that many of us really aren't very good at firstly noticing paradoxes, but also hoping, uh, kind of holding and coping with paradoxes. In fact, quite a number of previous studies have shown that we first tend to not realize or see a paradox. And second, when we're in a paradoxical situation, quite often we flick between the different polarities, servicing or paying attention to different, or, or often contradictory aspects of a paradoxical situation, often without realizing that's what we're doing. Was this a feature within the studies? And if so, what impact do you think this has for organizations, supply chains and things like that? Maybe I can I can start then. Thanks. Josh and Camille maybe can can add more, but um, I think this is a really important point because uh, the problem about uh, not only um, um, seeing the paradox, but then when you see it, to embrace the paradox, navigate it, or decide to to move away, is a crucial point. Uh, and this also um, go back to what we were saying about the paradox mindset. Uh, because uh, first you have to recognize a uh, attention as a paradox, uh, uh, but this uh, uh, is not necessary. It's not uh, something that uh, um, you necessarily hand up because uh, uh, maybe there are some condition uh, that lead you to uh, frame the tension as a trade-off, as generally we do. So decide to go for a A and B because you cannot do uh, both at the same time or because doing both at the same time is psychologically or even emotionally really um, maybe huge to support. So uh, I think that um, in order to better understand how to uh, deal and how to address uh, the tension and paradox, uh, two elements are crucial and they are in the in the essay of uh, the the tree paper. Um, the first one is the is the the contingency regarding the power condition. That so maybe you recognize a um, a paradox. You recognize that tension as a paradox, and you maybe are willing to address it as uh, uh, as paradox and navigate it. But you have you are not in the, con the power condition to uh, deal, to address the paradox as you want. Uh, and this is a clear example in the supply chain, uh, because in this global value chain on the supply chain, uh, maybe the, the lead firm that has the power, um, maybe uh, with the I can I see it in my sustainability study, for example. Uh, the lead firm decide the condition, and the uh, the suppliers uh, uh, maybe see uh, the paradox, see the tension, and they would like to address them in a in a paradoxical way, but they cannot because the the rules are set by the the, the lead firms. So this is a uh, I think it is the first uh, crucial uh, element. The second one is the emotion. Because, uh, as you were saying from uh, the psychological point of view, but uh, I think that emotions are crucial in dealing in, in, in the ability to deal with paradox. Uh, because paradox mindset, uh, as we described before, seems something really rational. So you see the paradox, you and you uh, and you act uh, in a paradoxical way. It's, 
but you have to consider even the uh, emotional side and uh, um, that's something the there is something in the paradoxical study about this and even in our uh, in the essay of in uh, the, the first paper but it's a crucial condition that we have to consider uh, how to how emotion can um, help or um, or not in addressing paradox and go from a trade-off to uh, a paradox uh, perspective I don't know if Camille Josh yeah, wants to add something. Oh, yeah. And I, I want to say uh, uh, COVID has made that even more salient. I mean, we, we know organizations are very, uh, are, are places where we value rationality. Uh, I, I, I don't want to be to be too extreme, but uh, let's put it this way. We want, uh, we, we tend to value leaders who have masculine attributes, like calm, uh, poised, we it, and paradox theory does the same with like the paradox mind. It's it's great, it's helpful, but we tell people they need to cool off to be able to handle the tension. Uh, yeah. we, we 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 focus on equanimity, on the mind, uh, and everything that is about emotion is uh, is something seen as negative, right? You get anxious, defensive. You you're not able to deal with paradox if you get uh too emotional and i think that perhaps what COVID does is that it pushes um the boundary of that of this very rational assumption on organ organizing uh, and on what paradox theory does by saying hey wait a minute perhaps there is uh something to consider within uh like the role of this emotion what do this emotion tell us how can we uh work with them as a means to, to engage paradoxical women more, more. And I see that a lot of different levels throughout the essays and more generally. And I, I think that's my own researcher bias. So David, we, we have, I'm sure, a lot of things to talk about offline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we can see that by thinking, okay, um, those leaders, perhaps the women leaders, right? We, we've seen that women leaders have been perhaps uh, those who have managed to, to, to work through the tension differently throughout the COVID crisis. Like, why is it that those who have different attributes, those who have uh, different leadership attributes have managed? And, and there are studies that show that uh, perhaps leadership is not about masculinity, but androgenity, like being able to have masculine and feminine attributes as you, as you help others. Um, we can also see emotions uh, through, um, like, what do we do as an organization? What are the norms that we foster in our organization that help or uh, hamper others to deal with the tension they are dealing with? Like, are we an organization that suppress the emotion or are we an organization actually that is willing to engage and to, off to open this space? You know, we talked about leaders as being able to open spaces to work through tension. But what's the nature of the, the, the emotional nature of this space? Like, do we uh, let the door open to emotions as well? So I think this brings some important question. And, uh, and then we have another, another section in the article uh, that I wrote with Rika Nielsen and Joe Scheel. And uh, I'm not sure if we want to talk it about now, or if you want me to wait, but uh, it, it's about like the role of leaders in communicating the paradoxes to others. So in a way, we know the paradoxical mindset is great and those listeners who have taken the test perhaps score very high. So you see the paradox, it's easy for you to navigate. You're like, well, that's not a big deal. Of course, work and life are inter interrelated. That's perhaps not a big deal for you 
but how is it for the people you work with? How is it for the people you live with? How can you tell them, show them, help them navigate the tension, right? So, uh, and that's where it's important to think about like, how do I make my message? That is a message people don't want to, to hear, resonant. And so in the yeah. essay with Rike and Joshiel, we, we use Rike's work, who, uh, who is from Denmark, and use a lot of example from Denmark to, to show how you can work through uh, communicating to others by making it resonant, both cognitively, so using messages that are familiar. Uh, I think Rike used the example of the, the motto from the Danish government, uh, which is about standing together. And so during the pandemic, they shifted this idea of standing together uh, by using standing together apart to show yep. how important it was to be both close and apart through the pandemic. And by using a very familiar sentence, it was helping the Danish people to, to, to get the message of uh, like working through this paradox. But the thing is, it could to get at people cognitively, but we know that if we really want to touch them, there is also something you need to, to touch them in their guts. You need to touch them, yeah. like they need to feel it. And that's where the emotional resonance kicks in. Uh, like how can you as a leader help people uh, feel the paradox in an emotional way? And so there are ways to create emotional resonance to appeal to people's feeling and emotions as you talk through. Uh, one of the examples is this idea of CEO virtual fireplace. Five you don't even to, con to convey this being together apart. Uh, we've seen CEO uh, on virtual uh, uh, address yeah. next to a fireplace. The fireplace is cozy, it makes us feel together, but we were on Zoom watching them next to the fireplace. Uh, all, uh, like many, many countries and Denmark was one example created like rituals, morning rituals where everybody sings together. We've seen in yep. Israel, in France and in many country, country everybody clapped together uh, to, to, to praise the, um, to praise the, the working, um, the first line workers and the second line workers for the crisis. And this is part also of uh, like creating an emotional resonance towards an idea of being together and apart at the same time. So I think that's. Oh, sorry, yeah. I get excited. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say we'll we'll come back to the the, the role of leadership in a minute, uh, and I th I, th I think I, that uh, okay. the points the, the points I'll I'll come to you in a, a second, Josh. I, I think the points you're making are, are important. Uh, I particularly like this idea of the paradox between masculine and feminine sides of operating. And, and that's become stark, and there's been quite a few really useful studies coming out on that. And what I'll do, because there was a really interesting video that the Danish, in fact, I think it was a news outlet put out originally about the standing together apart thing um, that went around Denmark and then went around the world. And I'll, I'll put a link to that video as well. Sorry, Josh. Oh, I was just going to say one quick comment, because um, about the question you raised about awareness. I mean, this is one area where, uh, unfortunately, um, we we in the paradox community um, know that awareness is an, a major part of the story. Uh, that there are people that just do not see the tensions, or they may see tensions, they only see poles and don't see the interrelatedness. Um, 
it's it's a tough thing to do empirically uh and 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 you know at any level of analysis and so we're we're still that that's part of what we're struggling is 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 struggling in terms of our awareness of awareness and um oh, yeah. and, and really what are what really are those mechanisms so we're there we're, we're 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 working on it. And we're trying, but yeah, it's it's a it's a core part of the theory. Um, that but it's not it's something that it's still uncharted territory, uh, because yes, it's the, really hard to it's hard to decipher whether it's because of how I think, because of how I feel, because I because you know we, we, we our bodies react before our brains do um, when it comes to a lot of things happening. So it could be that too. Uh, a lot of things could be going on, or just the situation that we're in, or the the, the context that we're in that's driving these things. Um, yeah, that's interesting. That's that's really interesting. So one of the things that I've got interested recently in is is the whole idea of peripheral awareness, and, mm -hmm. and firstly yeah. how that happens, how we end yes. up with a peripheral awareness when we're not aware of something and we just start to become aware of it, but we don't. It's kind of that you can't touch it, you can't feel it. You, it's you're kind of there's something there, but I don't know what it is and how that then progresses into some kind of a core awareness. But anyway, we can talk about that some of the time. Yeah. I think we've got about 30 podcasts coming out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, at one stage, you focused on the tension um, that have become apparent within the global supply chains and the power dynamics involved. And this includes what you've termed the dark side of paradox. So firstly you know what are we talking about in terms of the dark side of paradoxes i can i can start then um i, I think it is, is what i was saying before so um paradox are not uh only um uh, a moment of opportunities and creativity in uh, which you you can feel uh, comfortable in dealing with uh, opposite pole and find a creative solution but are even um, moments in which you have some uh, negative element that uh, came out and in the in the literature and even we have this uh, uh, section in uh, in in our paper uh, there is the problem of the dark side so what uh, what has been called a dark side is mainly are mainly the uh, the power condition that are related to the possibility to respond to uh, a paradox uh, because uh, even um, a classical example um, that maybe also Camille was uh, uh, was mentioning before, uh, uh, when uh, your uh, uh, boss said you you need to be creative, uh, and of course this is something that is difficult to uh, um, to address if someone imposes you. Or maybe you feel, as I was saying before, in the global value chain, but even in the individual uh, the individual level, you feel the tension, you feel you uh, um, the paradox is salient, so it's clear to you, but you are not in the condition to uh, to respond in a paradoxical way to that uh, to that tension. And uh, um, in the in the pandemic, uh, I think one of the clear examples that I even uh, mentioned before is in the 
in the global value chain because uh, uh, for example we uh, in the in in the hasave uh, uh, are uh, they are um, even cited example in which uh, the um, the workforce in the uh, in the um, developing country were uh, uh, obliged to remain in uh, uh, in the factories uh, mm -hmm. to have a safe uh, condition uh, and of course you see that uh, in that case the tension between health and uh, uh, economy is in, cannot be solved by uh, the the individual or even uh, you have this great power condition that came from uh, other companies that uh, are upstream in the in the chain that force you to uh, to do something that you maybe uh, can even deal in another in another way so the dark side are uh, a crucial uh, element in which the paradox theory is uh, uh, beginning to uh, um, to studying uh, so it's a recent uh, stream that is emerging but it's a crucial part to understand uh, uh, regarding uh, which are the, the power condition that uh, allow you to respond and how you can even uh, break this uh, condition if there is the opportunities and overcome uh, the limits that you have in responding to uh, to such uh, sort of set tension. Yeah. I think this is a, I, th I think this is important. This whole idea that power quite often um, constricts or enables our ability to be able to act. For example, yeah. you, you may have this idea about. You know, we shouldn't be doing these things, but I'm not the prime minister, I'm not the president, or I'm not the CEO, and I don't actually have the power to act. But more importantly, I don't actually have the capability, the access to resources to be able to do these things. Even, yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and you can see this in supply chains and things. Sorry, Camille. Yeah, no, and to, to, to unpack a little bit Simone's example, uh, he mentioned uh, the essay by uh, Medhani Gaim and Miguel uh, Kuna, uh, where they explained that there were uh, Chinese businesses in Zambia mm. that by trying to keep uh, the business working, but at the same time trying to protect the employee, they uh, forced them to stay within the factory. Uh, it was like protecting, they call it protecting by enslaving. And so there is there the, the notion of power dimension, but we can think in our own countries. I remember in France, we had uh, people voluntarily staying within nursing home to for like for the, during, the, during the first lockdown uh, to, to keep the nursing home working and to protect the people within the nursing home, but they would willingly stay there and not see their family. So here is when the question of power and uh, empowerment uh, kicks in. Like we see what it means when people voluntarily take part of the effort or where people are enslaved and forced to, to take part, uh, to, 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 to do business and being protected at the same time. So yeah. Yeah, I was gonna add that one inch, you know, one question though is to what extent is the power and in, in, in this power dynamic um, constructed and the extent to which some of these things are, are constructed is also part of what we talk about because clearly in the case of the United States, uh, there are people that were constructing a power dynamic that wasn't real. Uh, and, that, and that also can be and that also can be uh, can be a risk as well. Yeah, and, and some of this is out of the desire to control 
both the situation but the desire to control others within that situation exactly yeah and and paradoxically interestingly you've got the other side of that of learned helplessness of people Mm -hmm. who cede imaginary control to other people even though they've got control at that moment in Mm -hmm. time when they could actually do something but they don't do it because actually it's easier just to be dependent at that moment in time they're interesting kind of anyway as i say we could be here for a very long time (laughs) discussing this yeah (laughs) i'm just going to move on i think i think what's the what's the time frame for this because i think i have to leave soon um yeah okay Uh, yeah we'll um we'll 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 um we'll skip a load of this and then maybe come back some other time to this and we've, we've talked i think we've answered some of the questions throughout i think so the, yeah, the, yeah. The let's let's just move down then to um right okay let's let's jump to the end here so if if you were to boil down all of this the the research um into two or three kind of practical takeaways for people what would they be I think that this, uh, what we uh, saw during this uh, pandemic period, and what we try to um, to understand through a paradox uh, lens in this four uh, paper, um, make can give different uh, uh, insight, even empirical insight for uh, practical insight for uh, uh, people at a different level. But what uh, I think from my, even because it's something that I work on and really care on is uh, uh, regard the sustainability issue and uh, this the complexity that it's not only in sustainability, but we show that is in uh, a lot of, uh, is inside, is inherent in this uh, pandemic uh, that, uh, uh, the uh, collaboration dimension is crucial. I mean, uh, when we when we say uh, the paradox perspective has the ability to look holistically at the problems, uh, means that uh, you uh, can have a, a system. Um, you can look at the different poles. You can uh, consider the different elements, but you cannot do it alone. Uh, so. Uh, such complexity through a paradox lens uh, require you to uh, collaborate, to create collaboration in order to respond to such uh, paradox. Uh, and, I mean, example on sustainability, there are a lot, but even in other, in, in, for other uh, tension, you need to uh, take this challenge uh, um, from a perspective that is able to um, to consider all the element, but even to consider all the people and all the organizations that are involved in this uh, element. If not, it's not possible to uh, address, to try to address this, uh, uh, this challenge. So I think that uh, creating uh, uh, this space of collaboration uh, is, uh, is crucial to try to give an, an useful and effective answer to this uh, this problem. Yes, so a wider perspective, but also, uh, well, collaboration, but also collaboration in working out what's going on, I think is is part of that. Uh, Thanks, Simone. Okay, Camille? Yeah, the the second point is perhaps um, the idea that we often uh, see students coming to business school with wanting one solution, like what is the, the solution? How do I manage my team? 
how uh, like how do I uh, solve uh, my virtual team issue with COVID? And I think that uh, what uh, part of theory and one, what the COVID situation has taught us is that there is not one way and we need to, to get this out of our minds. There is like uh, the need to, to learn to be agile, to learn, to, learn to, to juggle across a whole array of uh, solution that over time will bring uh, a balance. And so, and so I think that uh, this is perhaps one key element uh, about like, we need to accept that sometimes we will focus on one dimension of the paradox, we will focus on another one. We need to know that we need to strive to optimize and to do both and if we can, but also we need to accept that sometimes we might not do that for a moment being and we need to, uh, accept that sometimes we might do a little bit of compromise. And I think that this juggling act is very important, being able to be aware of it, being able to tell our team that we are in a way uh, working through uh, a juggling act so that the team also takes this agility perspective. So uh, the collaboration dimension is important. The communication with the team dimension is important to understand this juggling act. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That's great, Camille. Uh, Josh? Oh, but, but I think that, that the idea that I think this actually illustrates um, one, one good key practical um, takeaway from the, from the overall experience is, is, that, um, is that I do hope that, um, that those elements of looking at the opportunities um, aspect of the pandemic experience um, does does actually end up resonating with people, and, and that um, as much as we love to get back to a normal life, we should be very grateful for the some of the things that may have actually happened in terms of, for example, the how the technology has connected us in different ways. Um, uh, that um, that we hope that we can leverage that um, and and in ways that we probably would not have done if it wasn't for this event pushing us in this uh, direction. So I think that may be the, the next tension that we're going to experience as we get back into a normal life. Yeah, I think that's important. I think that's important because within paradoxes, there's a paradox and it's that, you know, the dark side as well as the opportunities that exist within all of those as well. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, you know, for Thank your time you. and for this collection of, of, of papers. And I've found them absolutely enlightening and really helpful in unraveling and understanding what's going on for both society, organisations and people right now. And we often get stuck in our own kind of lived experience at times like these. And this collection of studies has been really useful for breaking out of those assumptions and um, to, to work out what's going on for other people, but also what's going on um, at, at, a, at a kind of wider perspective. Um, so, so what next for the three of you? And then we'll finish. So very quickly, we'll just go around. Simone, what next for you? Uh, for me, next is uh, I'm working on uh, the paradox in sustainability from uh, um, global value chain systemic perspective, because as I always said before, the complexity is the main uh, challenge. So I want yeah. to unpack and dig in the, the complexity of uh, sustainability tension and how to manage them. Brilliant, thank you, Simon. Camille? 
So for me, it's going to be, um, I'm fascinated by the role of emotions in engaging paradoxes. And so uh, I'm currently working on a, on a, on a project about, uh, that aims at understanding how uh, emotion changed the way we, we see and engage paradoxes, like to really unpack uh, the, like the emotions behind paradoxical dynamics. Fantastic. I love that. <laughs> Josh? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because I started off um, being very much focused on cognition and, um, and very micro level understandings of paradox. And a lot of what I'm now very much more intrigued with is the very macro context and um, how that's shaping the paradoxical experience. Um, and I think this COVID pandemic helped to sort of trigger that interest, but there's a lot going on. Uh, and, and so, I, so a lot, of, a lot of, so that's become more and more of my focus is looking at um, uh, how, how, you know, how individuals embedded within these complex global environments, um, you know, um, immigrants, um, um, organizations that are tied to international organizations, but also have to be local. Um, so lots of, it, it's opened up a lot of different avenues to be looking at at, at that level. Yes, I think so. And, and, and one of the things that I've kind of on the periphery got interested in is, is the whole thing about climate change and what's happening. And exactly. anyway, that's, yeah. that's for another. I, I get this feeling that we could actually do a series of podcasts on all of this is <laughs> immense. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'll, I'll be in touch after this anyway. So and I know Thank Josh, you you've got to go. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been thank an absolute you. pleasure. Okay. Take care and we'll be in touch All soon. Right. Hi, this is the Organisational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organisational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organisational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room.